find now that you're in perimenopause and menopause that your digestive system just isn't the same as it used to be? You have more gas, more bloating, and you're having trouble losing weight? Well, today we're talking gut health with an expert who's going to explain why this is happening and things that we can do to change it. Stay tuned. Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Donsky, co-founder of Morphus, and today I'm here with Bonnie Wisner, a registered holistic nutritionist and a digestive health expert. Bonnie, welcome to our show. Hi Andrea, it's great to be here with you today. I'm looking forward to this. I'm, you know, I really want, I'm excited to have you on because I want to talk gut health. As we get older, we're in perimenopause and menopause, and I know you are right there with us. Why does our gut health change? Okay, well, first of all, I'm definitely right here with you in this whole space. We all know what that means. There's, it's, there's a million reasons. What I want to say, first of all, is that the whole area of gut health um, and our microbiome is a relatively new science. It's kind of a baby science. Like, it's, research is uh, probably so prevalent here. Actually, it is. But research, when you niche it down to research regarding perimenopause, causal women in our own experiences with digestive issues, obviously it becomes a little more scant. Having said that, what's really, really interesting is nearly 40% of all postmenopausal women report having altered bowel function during these years as compared to 14% of premenopausal women. So that's fascinating, right? That's a huge, huge number. And that's based on a really good piece of research that I found um, on PubMed. Having said that, so there's increases in the things you've talked about, you know, uh, complaints about bloating, complaints about constipation, complaints about um, diarrhea, skin rash, like anything that you could sort of directly trace back to gut health. So when I looked into it, I think that the bottom line is, as I said, there's very little sort of conclusive research. However, it's probably multifactorial. So that means there's probably a lot of different reasons why this is happening. One of the most interesting reasons, reasons from a physiological perspective is because a decrease in estrogen is known to increase our cortisol levels, okay? So our cortisol is, is obviously one of our body's stress hormones. And we know that, that stress literally impedes digestion, right? And the reason for that is the part of your nervous system that takes care of digestion and things like that is quite different than the part of our nervous system that takes care, that, that deals with stress, right? That takes care of us under those circumstances. So our body is naturally designed that when we have higher levels of cortisol, higher stress hormone activity altogether, our digestion kind of takes a backseat. So that's a very, very important reason as to why this could happen. It makes sense because what you're saying is because as estrogen decreases, our cortisol levels de increase, but then it's tied into our adrenal glands because we know as we get into menopause, our adrenal glands take over, but if we're going into menopause or with them already fatigued, it's kind of, you know, as I learn more, it becomes so fascinating to me how all, every part of our body is so interconnected, but yet how it interconnects in menopause. I thought what we could do is maybe give people a few tips on how to sort of temper that imbalance. Please. Um, you know, using some diet and lifestyle tips, very simple ones. That's the point, to try and sort of narrow it down to something simple, but something that I thought would be interesting um, for people to sort of see that connection fundamentally before we move on is the whole idea of belly fat, right? Like that sort of muffin top that we all 
Okay, Andrea's nodding, so yes, we all can relate. I'm nodding, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can all relate to one extent or another to that whole uh, belly fat circumstance. And interestingly, cortisol is actually known um, as the belly fat hormone. So that's a sign and a symptom that you can actually kind of use to assure yourself that that's likely what's happening for you and address it accordingly, right? So obviously, as a nutritionist, uh, and you would for sure attest to this as well, one of the key, key places to look is obviously to our diet. And one of the most fundamental things, right, that we can do is to clean up our diet. But when we talk like that, like, what does that mean, yeah. right? What does it mean to clean up our diet? Well, what it means, what I'm referring to in this case, obviously I'd like people to make healthier food choices and eat more fruits and vegetables and get more fiber, obviously, and all of that. Um, that's for sure part of this. But what I also mean by that is remove things in your diet that actually are adding stress to your body, right? So for example, we know that um, our liver has to metabolize everything that we put, you know, it's one of the key, it is a key organ in our digestive system, not to mention one of our body's key um, detoxifying organs. So it has to metabolize virtually everything, including all of the hormones, right? So try and nourish your liver, you know, step back a bit from uh, processed foods, things that contain too many additives, too many things that our liver is really going right. to have to work too hard to clear through. Things that aren't right. natural, that our body, that exactly like any of the high fructose corn syrup, trans fat, things that our body isn't meant to actually process. And these are things we talk about a lot because you're right. Our liver is our master detox organ in our body. And it plays a crucial role when it comes to being in perimenopause and menopause. So you know, I, I, you know, one of the things, Bonnie, and, and I want to pivot for a second, but I don't know if you finished your thought on the other thing, but let's, I wanted to talk about detoxification and doing liver cleanses because we just posted a video. I'm going to post it up um, right here on a card on, on this. You can watch it. And we talked about little things you can do daily to detox your liver and detox your body. And I'm a big fan of that, like drinking lemon water in the morning. You don't have to do the major, major cleanses, but I'd love to hear your thought on doing once or twice a year, doing a liver cleanse and what are things that we can do to actually help it? Because you know, for all of you who are watching, you may have heard, yeah, do a liver cleanse, but like, what does that mean? And also doing it properly. It's important that we understand what that means, because if you don't do it properly, it can cause some serious side effects. And it's Absolutely. important that you follow a proper protocol. Absolutely. Um, what a great topic. So I think that um, I absolutely agree with you. I do fundamentally think that people need to, uh, first of all, take some simple steps, the ones that I was referring to, uh, you know, lean into organic foods, like reduce the toxic load on an everyday limited basis, right? But then I do think, especially if you're experiencing, your body is talking to you and you're experiencing, you know, sluggishness, meaning like your energy level is low, you're getting frequent headaches, you're bloated all the time, your body is telling you what it needs, right? So you might, and, and this is quite an interesting topic too, because when you ask somebody, you know, do you, eat, do you maintain a healthy diet? That's a very kind of vague and subjective thing. Broad. But your body, right? Yeah. Right. But your body will be talking to you in those ways. So I completely support the idea of doing something just a little more drastic. Let's use that word for now. 
kind of once or twice a year and then leaning away from it in an 80-20 format. Mm -hmm. And that can mean anything. There's a number of different ways of doing that. In my case, I mean, I've run probably for the last six years now, I've actually run an online cleanse that is food focused and takes people um, into a place where they might be, for example, dealing with uh, impaired digestion, by the way, is one of the reasons why somebody might have an intolerance to food. It's never really the food. Whether you're buying organic or not organic, it's not usually the food itself, it's the digestion. So in a fairly short period of time, it's not even so much, um, I like to look at it as it's not even so much like overnourishing your liver or offering some sort of magical support to your liver. What it really is about is leaning back from the offenses that we hmm. daily kind of impact our liver, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a number of ways of doing it. And again, it kind of depends, I think, on the severity of your symptoms. So for example, one idea in that realm might be uh, the things we talked about, right? So moving away from processed foods, adding more fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. and whole grains because fiber, those foods are all our main sources of fiber and fiber is responsible for helping carry all excess toxins and um, hormones really out of our out of our body right through elimination so that's really critical i just want to jump in for oh, a second sorry i just want to jump in to say so for when it comes to fiber making sure that you're aiming for 25 to 30 grams for women yeah. and if you're a male you know that 30 to 40 grams so very important because we're going to be talking about male and male menopause actually we're going to put a video up in the next week or two so be sure to check back make sure you hit that notification bell so that you know every time we have a new Morphous video that comes out because we're talking everything perimenopause and menopause, primarily women, but we do cover men as well. But for fiber, yes, aim for that 25 to 30 grams of fiber. Continue. Sorry. And most people really, when Andrea, Andrea, your point is a good one because when I, upon intake, when I work with clients, most people are actually hovering under the 20 grams a day mark, sometimes significantly so because obviously packaged, you know, North American standard diets are kind of depleted from uh, sources of fiber. So it's kind of like, just listen to your grandmother and eat your veggies, right? Like that kind of an idea. Um, but some other things that people can do is also lean away from stimulants, right? Because remember what we said about this time of life and uh, cortisol spikes due to a, a decrease in estrogen. So you don't want to really do anything that's going to um, spike your cortisol further. So unfortunately, and I'm alcohol, I know where you're yeah, going with this one. <laughs> and sugar, sugar's a big one. Um, so doing that, what you're talking about is essential doing that, uh, you know, trying to sort of practice, um, limited amounts of all of these things. If you're experiencing symptoms can be very helpful, but literally taking a chunk of time and it sometimes could be as little as one week. You would not believe people probably wouldn't believe how much better they feel. Right. Even just taking like a one to two week period and leaning back from this stuff and giving your liver an opportunity to sort of get a bump start to doing what it wouldn't do naturally. And that's the amazing thing. Our bodies are designed to do all of this naturally. We have to offer them help. Yeah. And our liver regenerates really quickly. And you know, that, that's a great thing. So yeah. So avoiding caffeine. One of the things that I've noticed big time being in menopause is, you know, eating trigger foods. So for example, like, you know, drinking alcohol just doesn't work for anymore. It's it, for me, yeah. it's a major hot flash. It's, 
it's a bummer. I, I tell you, there are certain foods that really affect my, you know, hot flashes. And so what you say that, you know, one, one thing we did in terms of research at Morphis is we found 72 different signs and symptoms of men, being in menopause and perimenopause. Would you say that the, these signs and symptoms, I'm, I'm going to say originate, stem from, have to do with our gut health? I really do. I really do. Like I alluded to earlier, um, it's still in very baby steps, but every day we're learning more. For example, I definitely think so. Our gut health is paramount to our overall health. I mean, if you think of it, uh, you know, the estimates vary, but somewhere between 70 and 80% of our immune cells reside in our gut. That's all of our uh, hormones and neurotransmitter, you know, all of those things kind of have to get um, passed through our gut. And our gut is meant to be uh, slightly permeable, meaning it's meant to actually allow nutrients in and be, it's one of our, it's so protective in terms of what it doesn't allow in. And that's the important thing here. Our gut health, the way we would define it in an everyday sense, is how effective is your intestine, are your, is your gut actually at doing that? That's one of its primary function. Um, Sarah, you know, Dr. Sarah Valentine, the um, paleo mom, she actually just came out with an entire, uh, a really great book, actually, and I had previewed some of it. And one of the chapters, this is cool too, as I said earlier, trying to sort of just simplify things, one of the chapters was on the importance of hydration to our gut health. So again, something simple that people can do in the everyday sense, and most people, again, like the fiber, do not get enough um, just water, like drink pure water. Right. So in our Morphus group, I know Bonnie, you're in our group. At we are Morphus. We're going to put a link to our private Facebook group. So if you find that you want to join our, if you do want to join our group, we'd love to have you join our group. And we're going to put a link below, like I just said. Hydration. I mean, I think that's really important. I want to talk about that for a second because, first yeah. of all, one of the major signs and symptoms of menopause is the fact that we're dry everywhere, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important, obviously, the, the, I drink, drinking enough water, drinking half our weight in ounces every single day, if not more, making sure we're getting it. And I'm even guilty of this. And I'm a nutritionist like you are. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm not even drinking enough water. And it shows up in different ways. Why is it, why is it important to be hydrated when it comes to gut health? So important. So first of all, from a motility perspective, right, just from like making sure that you have a regular bowel movement every day. I mean, first of all, 60% of our body is water, right? So keeping electrolytes in balance, um, you know, keeping our blood sugar regulated, um, but, but relating back to what you're saying regarding gut health motility, so the ability for your body to actually do what it needs to do. It's for peristalsis, which is basically the muscles in your gut moving stuff through, yeah, through your system, you, it, you need hydration. But again, in this new research that just came out, um, they actually showed us that there are receptors in our gut. So, you know, our gut, sorry, to take a step back, our gut lining is um, basically mucus, right? There's mucus, there's a mucus in our gut lining, and the mucus needs hydration in order to ensure that protective measure. So that's one fundamental reason why it's so important for, um, to be hydrated, to maintain good gut health. 
Hmm. And also I mean, for our brain energy. I mean, there's so many other reasons. Yeah, but, yeah. leading for sure. And even um, absorption, right? How do, how do nutrients pass through? They need to be sort of carried through something, right? So um, it's essential, essential, and essential. Let's be- Let's be clear too. Sorry to interrupt you. Let's be clear too. When it comes to hydration, we're not talking about drinking coffee all day long. We're talking no, about no, no. drinking. Yes. You're, the only thing that your body doesn't have to metabolize from a hydrate, from a hydration perspective is either water or things like, you know, herbal tea, right? Decaffeinated herbal tea. Really? Because yeah. anything, any juices and things like that, you wouldn't want to but it's still okay to drink. It's still okay. Like I, I from, and I just want to be clear is it's still okay if you're getting your hydrate. Cause it, it is hard for many of us. Like I've got, you know, my, my, my water here. I've got my B vitamins I'm drinking here. Like I'm really making a concerted effort after your post yesterday. And then we are Morpheus Facebook group. I'm like, I'm drinking my water, but it is okay if we're drinking, you know, we're getting it through soup or we're getting it through watermelon. Like one Absolutely. of the things- what oh my thing? gosh, absolutely. Up to 20 to 30% of okay. your um, intake should be from really uh, water dense or hydrate, hydrating foods for sure. I have to tell you, you know, talking about hydration, something I've noticed over the last little while is when I eat watermelon, like I know watermelon is what, 90% water, 95%, yeah. whatever. It's a very high percentage of water. Yeah. But now when I eat water being in menopause, oh my gosh, it it's literally... Expensive unbelievable like i'm constantly so if i am gonna i don't know if it's gonna affect all of you who are watching but it does make me go pee a lot so if you are you know i make sure that i eat it during the day now i won't eat it after dinner because then i'm just gonna end up peeing all night but it is so hydrating so a little tip now that you know if you're looking for a fruit or something you know even lettuce lettuce is very high in water cucumber right so like there are a lot of great fruit i did a I did a great segment. I'm going to post it below on CityLine about eating your water. So I'm going to actually put a link to that below that. It just reminded yeah. me. So thank you for that. Well, so that's, just, that's just such a simple thing that we could do. And people who don't regularly drink water though, Andrea, they don't find it that simple, right? It's actually requires some effort. Efforts. Some effort, tips yeah. are to do what you do. Keep a big tall thing next to your desk, put reminders on your phone. Like people do all kinds of things to try and remember to drink more water but they really do feel more energized, which you alluded to earlier, digestion. So if you're sluggish or constipated, that's often very easily remedied by increasing your water intake. Hmm, I love that. So what are some other things that we can do? What are your thoughts on taking probiotics or eating probiotic rich foods? Yeah, so, okay. Probiotic rich foods, while popular and kind of trendy to talk about, and certainly with value, because very often they come in kind of what we would call, you know, a healthy package, right? The healthier foods are often. But the reality is that from a, I guess, a therapeutic perspective, like if you are having some issues in terms of the balance of bacteria in your gut through symptom analysis, then eating probiotic rich foods is just like, kind of like taking a multivitamin. It's more of an assurance, but it wouldn't really, it's like dropping a pebble in an ocean. So I am a big supporter of um, using a well-researched probiotic. And again, like I mentioned, that area of science, as you know, is so, so huge right now. And there's really good research on various strains for certain conditions. It's very specific. What isn't being well-researched yet is sort of the preventative aspects of probiotics. Um, but that's okay because we now know more and more every day what the beneficial aspects are from a therapeutic intervention perspective. Um, so I, I am a big supporter of finding the right probiotic. Um, I wanna, I'd like to go back to the beginning because 
for many of our viewers that are newer to this science, you and I are in the nutrition business. We've been in this for you know 20 years. I've been in the health and wellness industry. But for people who are newer to it, I think we need to take a step back and say or explain what happens to our gut in the first place. Why is it? Why does it get impaired in the first place? Well, I mean, jump in. I mean, there's so many different reasons, starting from food, right? Um, for example, and again, this is sort of like a not controversial because there's actually quite a lot of good research now on the impact of you know gluten uh, grains on our gut microbiota. So just to give you an example of that from a scientific perspective, we now know that there's actually a hormone that your body secretes called zonulin. And when you consume too much gluten, that actually overactivates that activity. And zonulin is actually one of the hormones responsible for the opening and closing of the tight uh, gut junction. So meaning it's actually responsible for communicating to your body, let this nutrient in, keep that out. And when you consume too much gluten, you actually um, end up with hyperpermeable gut, which is colloquially referred to as leaky gut, leaky gut. right? So that's one connection um, that's very important. Also, uh, and again, I wouldn't say this is controversial, but um, it's certainly well-researched, but uh, has varied responses depending on which country you live in. For example, wheat is sprayed with glyphosate, and glyphosate has been, um, it's been well-documented in terms of creating the same type of permeability, right? So there's, there's a number of things in our food system and in the, our food supply that create that um, type of environment and impact our gut microbiota. So even what I was referring to earlier, um, the, the newer research regarding, again, keeping hydrated and the water, we now know that, or we're now learning that um, water is essential to keeping that um, mucous membrane intact. And without that, again, you are subject to permeability of your gut. And it changes the, the gut microbiota because the bad bacteria likes a dry environment. The good bacteria mm. um, really thrives in a hydrated environment. So interesting. that's uh, yeah, okay. so that really interesting new learning on that. That's been, that's fascinating actually. So there's another really good reason that we should be drinking our water, making sure we're hydrating enough, hydrated enough so that we keep that good to bad bacteria in balance. We don't want, so when we're dry, I'm just going to repeat this because this is really important. So when are we, and, and by the way, menopause, you're already dry in so many areas. So you're already coming in it as like, as like a disadvantage. So here's why we want to make sure we're drinking enough because when we don't drink enough, the bad bacteria increases and the good bacteria doesn't, goes down. So we wanna make yeah. sure that the good and the bacteria are always in balance, if not even maybe a little bit more good than bad. So very good point. And I, I will add to that, like you said, to jump in, lifestyle, you know, smoking obviously makes the bad stress. bacteria and stress. stress. So all yeah. of that is important, which yeah. plays a role in, in our yeah. gut health. Yeah, and even, I mean, you're right. A lot of people are not as familiar with this concept. The idea is don't be afraid of that word. I mean, when people hear bacteria in your gut, they're like, ew, and you know, whatever. The reality is that our internal environment is full of billions and trillions and trillions. Like we're made and, up of bacteria. Yeah, and it's always going to be the good and the bad. The balance is what's critical, right, to our health. I love that. Um, and you actually, so speaking of um, other impacts, one of the other small tips in terms of that whole 
uh, estrogen cortisol cycle or relationship is actually to manage our stress levels, which is much easier said <laughs> than done. Yeah. But that's a critical factor as well from an emotional, um, you know, and a health point of view as well trying to keep that in check so that our digestion doesn't go off the rails using, you know, tools like meditation or even just deep breathing every once in a while. Um, those types of things can be very helpful as well. I have to say, I'm a big fan of deep breathing. I, you know, I used to be, eh, you know, whatever, but now as I've gone, as I've now entered menopause, I have to say it is incredible for, I mean, for our heart rate variability, for our stress levels, and just for just, and I, I had a test done, so I know firsthand that it really does work. I had a before and after done, and wow, like its effect on our, you know, our, our nervous system. I mean, yes, I'm a big fan of deep breathing, so thank you for bringing that up, Bonnie. I, I think that's a, that's a good point. Is there anything else uh, before we end our interview that you would say would be a good tip for people when it comes to improving their digestive health? And especially when it comes to weight loss, because I think that's a very big part. Like, like you said, you talked about the belly fat, you talk about the, the, the muffin top. What are some ways that we could help our bodies lose weight? You've talked about the, you know, making sure your liver is detox and making sure your liver is cleansed. What are some other things that we can do to give a tip in terms of, and even constipation. So we talked about fiber for constipation. I just want to make sure we're covering off all the things we yep. said we're going to talk about. One of the other things that I think we could address briefly is, and again, this does relate to weight loss because very often, you know, women are trying virtually everything under the sun with their diet. I don't feel that um, a lot of us turn to calorie restricted diets. I would say to focus on the quality and really pay heed to not increase infusing your diet with too many things that are going to stress it out. But, but in addition to that, the other tool that often we use is obviously an increase in energy output or exercise. And it depends on the person, and this is very uh, unique to each individual, but very often um, high stress exercise, like you know, too much cardio, whatever that means, too much. Like a lot of cardio could sometimes create stress in the body, which could again, spike your cortisol, et cetera, and create that entire cascade. So examining different ways of moving your body, because moving your body is still always gonna be very important, but examining different ways. So, you know, using maybe power walking or um, uh, yoga, uh, Pilates, like slightly gentler, maybe not all the time, but like replacing, let's say, one day of high intensity, intensity interval training with something a little gentler could be very, very helpful. And how does that relate to weight loss? The way it relates to weight loss is because you are, again, tempering that cortisol spike, which is preventing you from losing weight. I was just going to ask you, what would you say? I hear so often that women are saying, I'm doing everything I can to lose weight, but nothing is working in perimenopause and menopause. And also you have that fluctuation. I mean, for myself, when I was in, per in perimenopause, there was a good five years where I would literally wake up one day, be 10 pounds heavier than I was the yeah. day before. And it, that, that went on for me for so many years of gaining and losing weight. And, and by the way, I keep saying like, I, I'm one of the test subjects because my diet doesn't change much. I'm really... I'm strict with my diet. I eat a certain way and have been for many years. So what is it that's causing that gaining weight, that losing weight? And for those who are saying they can't take it off, how can we help them? So I don't even know if I have the exact right answer to that question. However, because there's probably many answers, but 
one of the things that comes to mind right away is that first of all part and I've experienced that as well what you I think a lot of women experience what you just described and it's super frustrating and I think that part of it is because it just it sort of supports and proves the idea that in menopause our hormones are so erratic right one day is so different from the next day so in fact what you're doing especially if you're doing the same thing consistently day after day after day you're going to have different results because something is changing our hormones are fluctuating so regularly during this time frame but one of my favorite expressions and again everybody has to find um, the specific response to this for themselves. While it's phenomenal to maintain a healthy diet and be consistent, and it certainly is something we should all strive for, the variety of what you're eating should change. Because in order to stimulate change, something has to change. That's a really good point. Is there anything that you would say that you'd like to share that we didn't cover today? You no, know, I think you've asked some amazing questions. I always enjoy talking to you about this. Um, the only thing I'll say, uh, and it's, it's advice, it's a little vague, I suppose, but really take, think about this for a minute. I really think that every woman is slightly different. So we've given, we've covered off a bunch of sort of uh, different things that affect different people at different times for different reasons. Gut health, if you are experiencing, just to reiterate, if you are experiencing any of those symptoms that we've discussed, including the muffin top, it's not just you know, surprise wake in. It's actually a story that your body's trying to tell you. It, start paying attention, start documenting, logging the impact that different ways of eating have on you, the different exercise. And eventually I think you will see a pattern and you could then really find a solution for yourself, one that resonates for you personally. Thank you, Bonnie. And I just want to ask what's, and we talked about some of those symptoms with constipation, gas, bloating, wake in, the muffin top, uh, you know, what are some other symptoms that people may not think about when it comes to gut health that is actually related to gut health? Great question. So very often, I'm sure you've, I don't know if you've experienced this. I actually haven't, thank goodness, so far, poo, poo, poo. But um, one of the things that a lot of women complain about is acne. Suddenly in their 40s and 50s, women are experiencing acne. Like, so that's a sign that your body is also um, having a difficult time either clearing through hormones through your digestive process or is overloaded with toxins, right? Um, that's one big one. Uh, headaches, chronic headaches. So clearly one of the first things you would turn to for headaches and things of that nature would be to make sure you're well hydrated. But um, once you've covered that off, I think, again, addressing elements of your diet could be very important. And people don't really always connect headaches to their digestive health, but it's intimately involved because sometimes it denotes a food intolerance and a food intolerance is a clue that, again, you have impaired digestion. Those are just two that come to mind right away. Um, some other ones that are very common are people suddenly feeling muscle aches or joint aches. Um, that too is connected to your gut health, right? Because inflammation um, is a very, we didn't even talk about that, but inflammation is a very, very important aspect of this. And when your gut is inflamed, you won't feel it. You won't necessarily feel the pain of it, but everything will kind of be um, slowed down or, or become sluggish on account of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on our show, Bonnie. How could people learn more about you and where can they find you? 
So you can visit my website, www.bonniewisner.com. I can also be found on Instagram, Shift Nutrition and Wellness, and on Facebook, uh, Bonnie Wisner, uh, Registered Holistic Nutritionist. I also have a private Facebook group uh, where I share daily nutrition tips, provide challenge opportunities for people, recipes, which are often very popular, and it's called Shift Into Healthy Habits. And you just, it's private and closed. You just have to uh, go into Facebook and request to join. I'd be happy to have everyone there. Thank you so much for doing this today, Bonnie. It's been a pleasure. It's really nice talking to you, Andrea, as usual. Thanks. And thanks to all of you for watching today. I hope you learned a thing or two about gut health. I'd love to know in the comments below, do you suffer from any of the signs and symptoms we talked about today? And did you know a lot about what Bonnie shared with us? Please leave them in the comments below and we will be sure to answer them. And be sure to give us a big thumbs up if you got value out of today's video and hit that notification bell so you are alerted every single time we have a new Marcus video. And please share it because the more you share, shows you care. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time.